Hello, how are y'all doing today? Welcome back to another episode of True Dominion Ministries Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher, and today I'm going to be coming from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 10, and they read, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Micah, the son of Amelio in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Micah, the son of Amelio, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given and to your master's son, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Today we're going to be looking at Lodabar in a few different ways as it pertains to our life and human nature. In the book of Samuel, there was a young boy by the name of David who was a shepherd in the house of his father, Jesse the Bethlehemite, who was anointed to be king of over Israel far before he actually assumed the position. And after he had killed the giant called Goliath, of Gath, he became the armor bearer of King Saul. And when Jonathan, the son of Saul, met him, the Bible says that their spirits were knit together and that Jonathan loved David as himself. And that love was the same love that Jesus would have for us, the people of God, that he would sacrifice his life for us. As Jonathan put his life on the line for his friend David. And you may say, how did he do that? Well, when Saul wanted to kill David, Jonathan was a mediator, just as the Lord is to us. Jonathan told David where to go and when to flee, just as the Holy Spirit leads us. But had Saul known that his son was betraying his loyalty to his father for his friend, he would have killed Jonathan. And the story is one of brotherly love, one of sacrificing his very own existence for another. John 15 says, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So in the interpretation of this scripture, we derive that Jesus calls us friends and he would lay down his life so that ours could be fulfilled. Not only did he lay down his life, but he stands in the gap and intercedes for us. He prayed that our faith would not fail. And there is no greater love than this. 
And now we come to the place in the scripture where Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle. And the news of the killing is received at the palace. And in a disarray, the caretaker of Mephibosheth grabbed him up to flee with him and dropped him. And he became lame in his feet. And the question is asked is, what happens when your situation comes at the negligence of someone else? How many times have you been mishandled by someone else? How many times have you mishandled others? What happens when what was done to you came at the hands of someone you loved and trusted and you don't die, but what was done to you has everlasting effects? Lodabar was a place of separation, a wilderness place, a place where forgotten and mishandled people reside, a place of depression. It is an idle place, and the longer you stay there, the more comfortable you become with being there. It is the place where you tell yourself, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. No one loves me. No one gets me. And you question your mere existence. Why am I here? And when you get yourself to that point, all the enemy has to say is, end it. Kill yourself. Nobody don't care anyway. They ain't going to miss you. Lodabar is a lonely place where you get to yourself and you replay all the hell that you have been through and all that you can see is the bad. You can't seem to reflect on the good things that happened. It is a place where someone has to come and get you or else you will die there. A place where if you don't come to yourself, you will feel insignificant and unworthy and your existence is minute. Lodabar is a place where destiny dies. You become unfruitful and your mere existence is at stake. Lodabar is a place of no communication with God. No word of God. No light of God. No life. Only existence. But Jesus said that I came that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. Lodabar is a place of separation from the one who is able to give life. A place where you feel so distant from everything that breathes growth and that breathes relationship. Sometimes you can even be in a relationship and not have relations, not even have the connection or, or not even feel that you are relevant in that relationship. Lodabar is not only a physical place in the Bible, it is an evident place in the people's lives today. Lodabar extends from a place of unforgiveness. It is a mindset. It is a place that leads to destruction. There is no good thing that dwells there. Is there anything true that can come from there? There are married people that can't fully love and enjoy their spouses because of unforgiveness. Not because of what their spouse did, but because of how they were mishandled by someone else before their spouse even came along. Sometimes what happened to you in your childhood is something that if you don't release now, it will overtake you. It's like a death wish that you have for someone else, but it's taking hold to you. Unforgiveness doesn't make the other person sick or it doesn't kill the other person. It does that to you because you are the one that's holding on to it and it's eating away at you like a cancer. You see, unforgiveness is a mind battle. You keep replaying the scenario over and over and over again in your mind and the more it replays, the deeper and deeper it gets in your spirit until it becomes a part of you and your life is encompassed by it. And this is not something that you can give the enemy credit for. It is something you allow to bring you to this place. I know they hurt you. I know that you were raped or you were molested. I know that you were abused. I know that you were misused. I know you thought the world of the person and you found out that they lied. I know that you thought highly of them because of their title, because they were a pastor or they were an apostle and that they would never mislead you. But church hurt is the worst hurt. Why? Because you believe in a person to give you spiritual guidance. You believe in a person to guide you in a way that you figure that no one else can. And you let them in only for them to mishandle you and 
abuse their authority by dropping you. You see, sometimes we don't understand why or where it comes from, but maybe it's because of something they had to endure and never got over. The truth is, hurt people really hurt people, and it's dangerous to be in any kind of a relationship with a hurt person. Rather, it's business or marital or friendships or whatever the case may be. Luke 17, 1 through 4 says, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Take heed to your if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and he turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And Matthew 18 says, if, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter life partial than to not enter life at all. God is saying, if you want life, you must forgive. Without it, you will only exist. Not knowing the fullness of life or all the possibilities that life holds. The truth is that it takes love to forgive. The words that were spoken over your life, it takes love to forgive those things. It takes love to forgive. It takes giving up a part of yourself. It's only going to come by love. We must die to our flesh daily in order to live by the Spirit. Jesus was moved with compassion for the multitudes and he gave what was needed for what was essential for life. John 16 and 24 says, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. God wants us to have joy, unspeakable joy, joy that only he can give because nothing in this world can supply it. Jesus prayed while hanging on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You must have enough love in you in order for you to say, I forgive you because you don't know what you are doing to me. Jesus is a man who knew his destiny, who knew how his life would end and for what reason that he would lay down his life for us. But yet he was willing to go through whatever he had to go through in order for us to receive the life necessary for living. Jesus had a nevertheless in his spirit. Father, I don't want to go through this, but nevertheless, Father, I want to teach them more. But nevertheless, Father, I want to finish what I started. But nevertheless, you see, heartbreak precedes elevation. You see, before Jesus could ascend, he had to be broken by the ones he would forgive. In Matthew 6, right after Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, his very next words were for if you forgive. Forgive men your, their trespasses. Your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive them, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. For understand that the power of forgiveness. I want you to understand that forgiveness is powerful. Because Jesus was showing us that there is freedom in forgiving. The freedom to do what his father sent him to do. Freedom to be the redemption of our souls. If he had not forgiven what was done to him, he would not be in compliance with what he taught the disciples. Thus a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. He would have been a hypocrite, teaching one thing and doing something else. Jesus is the example that we must follow, nothing else. We must follow nothing else. If you look at another man's life and you consider yourself good, you deceive yourself. You can only measure your life by the one who gives life, Jesus. The one who is not deficient of love. The one who is not deficient of compassion, kindness, gentleness, or self-control. But the one who is competent in truth and bold in his delivery. When the disciples didn't get what he had been teaching them, he spoke up. He said, how long must I be with you? He couldn't explain to them, 
I must die in order for this thing to call the church to be birthed into the earth. You have to understand something. Even though Jesus was Emmanuel, even though he was God with us, he could not disobey protocol. The Bible says a man born of a woman is a few days and is full of trouble. Or life is life of vapor. Here one minute and gone the next. He could not live forever in a mortal body, born of a woman, going throughout all the earth, thousands and thousands of years, showing the power of the kingdom. He showed power for three and a half years. Then he gave it to his disciples and said, here, now you do it. He said, better yet, write it down for generations after you to repeat and, and mirror the example that I was to you. The kingdom comes in power when taught from a spiritual place. You cannot only speak kingdom. There must be a grace on you in order for kingdom to materialize in the hearts of the believers. And this is a word that sets the captives free. This is the heart of God. This is the mirror he wants us to reflect. And let this enter your heart. Let this take refuge in your spirit. If there is anything that you have not forgiven any offense that you have not let go release it now for the offense will come but we have one greater than the offense that exceeds the offense and who is the author and finisher of our faith one who stands at the right hand of the father and intercedes for us he is the father of intercession it's his nature to forgive and we as believers must follow suit for the example was laid before us now we must take up our cross and follow after him. For there is no way to the Father except we go through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. The foundation has been laid. The example has been shown. Now we must walk in that way. If we are ever going to be free from the chains and bonds of unforgiveness, you see, when you let go of those things which have since passed, you can stretch forward to the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. I know how hard it is to let go. I know how incapacitated and drunk from the feeling that you get. I understand the connection that you have to it, but today you must cast your cares on him because he cares for you and he wants you to be free to love your enemies to bless those who curse you to do good to those who hate you and to pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons and daughters of your father who is in heaven for it is he who makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good it is he who sends rain on the just and on the unjust for if you love those who love you what reward do you have not even the tax collector do the same and if you greet your brothers only do you not do more than any other person do not even the tax collectors do that therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is imperfect we don't strive for perfection in our doings but we strive for perfection in the way that we walk up right before God. I want to say that love is the basis for everything that you do. If you don't do it in love or if you don't have love, then you have nothing or you are nothing. Because love is the only reason that we all still exist. It's the only reason why we are alive today. Because love is the gateway to everything kingdom. It is the essence of humanity. Do not even the killers want to be loved. Do not even the rapists want to be loved. Do not even the thief want to be loved. In fact, sometimes a killer kills in the name of love. You want to be free, don't you? Well, freedom takes forgiveness and forgiveness takes loves. There is no ways around it. It starts with the basis. It starts with love. Love first yourself enough to be free. Then forgive everything that was done to you and ask for forgiveness for everything you did to others while lashing out because of what was done to you. I want you to understand why 
This is important. The truth is when you truly forgive, you free yourself up not only to love others, but you truly be loved. When you forgive, you release the offense that could turn your day upside down. You ever seen how you could be having a good day, then you see the person that hurt you and and it messed the rest of your day up? You see, when you forgive that, you take your power back. The power to enjoy every moment of your life, no matter who is in it. No matter who stays or who goes, people are lessons in your life. It will do you well to learn them. I just want to say that Lodabar is a place that many find themselves in. It's not because they want to be there, but it's because of what happened that takes them there. It's a mindset. It is a place that you must be freed from. A place that only you can free yourself from. It's up to you. You have to lay down every burden. Jesus said, take it for me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, you have to be willing to let go of those things. I know that sometimes in those things, we find a comfort in holding on to things. We find a comfort in staying in that one place. But if we can just forgive, if we can just let go and let God, we can begin to see a new dawning. We can begin to see a new way. We can begin to see a new thing that God wants to do in us. And God wants to, all of us to be free. He said he wished that no man perish, but every man come into the knowledge of Christ. You know what I'm saying? He wants all of us to go into heaven. He wants all of us to be a part of the covenant he wants all of us but all of us have to be willing to give away ourselves in order to take upon him in order to take of him in order to take on a life that we have never known a life that we have never seen truly everything looks different when you standing from the outside looking in but once you get inside the house you will see that not everything is perfect and we are not perfect, but we can be made perfect for the work that God is calling us to do if we would yield to him. I understand that even in situations that had nothing to do with you, people will cast you out. People will throw you away. But this relationship with God is not about people. It's about your one-on-one. It's about you and him. It's about you and him. It's about you and him. No one else. I understand that sometimes people get offended because what you used to do, you don't do anymore. The Bible says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I did things like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There is a newness that has to come about you. There is a newness that you have to take on. There is a newness that you have to come into. If you don't, You'll always remain the old person, but God wants us to be the new person. And how do we get there? We get there by reading. We get there by relationship. We get there by studying. Not only studying to show ourselves approved, but studying for understanding. The Bible says, of all thy get, get an understanding. Of all you're getting, if you don't get an understanding, you will still remain ignorant in that thing. You will still remain ignorant in that thing. And God doesn't want us to be ignorant, but he wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He wants us to be washed over with the word of truth. We have an obligation to ourselves, not to anyone else, but we have an obligation to ourselves to be free, to be whole, to be pure. We have an obligation to ourselves. If we're ever going to do anything in the kingdom of God, if we're ever going to do anything and make an impact in the earth, We have to stand for something. And that something is holiness, it's righteousness, it's love. And if you don't walk in that, if you don't walk in love, you're not walking in anything. You can prophesy all day. You can cast out spirits. You can even walk on water. 
But if you don't have love, you are a sounding symbol. You are tinkling of brass. You are nothing. Love is the basis of your walk with God. Love. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Is it just that some of us don't love ourselves enough to forgive us? Sometimes the biggest person that need to be forgiven is ourselves. Because sometimes we hold ourselves back. Sometimes we stop ourselves from going forward. Sometimes we stop ourselves from loving. Sometimes we stop ourselves by the barricades that we put up to keep people out because we already been there before. We already felt what hurt feels like. So we don't want to be hurt anymore. So we put up barricades that keep others out. But when we keep others out, we lock ourselves away. We keep ourselves from fully loving, fully receiving what God has ordained for us, the relationships that God has for us. So we have to let go of those barricades and begin to walk in the fullness of God. Lodabar is a real place, but we can't get stuck there. We have to come out because God calls us to a greater place with him. He calls us to greater relationships. He calls us higher, so higher we must go. We can't stay here. We can't stay down on this mediocre level. So we must climb higher. We must climb higher. We must climb higher. God has greater work for us to do, and we shall get there. In Jesus' mighty name, I love you to life. Have a blessed day.